And then they mentioned something about my client trying to be like, oh, like I'm her sister. Her mom's in the hospital. We're relaying all of this to my client. And my client's like, my mom is dead. (gasps) What are you? Hey, folks, it's your host, Jay here. And you are listening to part two of my conversation with Danny about her life as a black pansexual queer woman currently living and working in Seoul, Korea. Heads up, this episode contains mentions of Danny's experience of working with survivors of domestic and sexual abuse, as well as those struggling with drug addiction. There's also a solid 14 minutes of Danny talking about Avatar The Last Airbender and trying to get me to watch it. To catch up on our talk so far, please listen to the previous episode. And as always, enjoy! That's probably one of the biggest things that I miss from home is like being able to walk up and down the street and like people say hi to you. Mm. People will give you random compliments that don't know you whatsoever. Literally will become like BFFs with someone waiting in line at the grocery store just because I happen to be standing behind them and they turn around and strike up a conversation. And that just doesn't happen here. Like everyone minds their business. They're doing their thing. Mm. Everyone's on their phone. And it makes me so sad because there's nothing greater than like walking down the street and some random person being like, oh my God, I love your sweater. Where'd you get it? And now you have a BFF for like three minutes. Mm. And it's awesome. And I tried that one time. I was walking up and down the street and there was this girl who looked just absolutely phenomenal. And she was a foreigner. Like She wasn't even Korean. And I told her how much I love the pants that she was wearing and the look she gave me was like who the (laughs) yeah cut that part out but (laughs) who the meow (laughs) it's weird i don't know why people think that's so weird when i am at my favorite bar here in busan like i'm always Mm. complimenting people because at this point you're at a foreigner bar and i'm gonna do my foreigner thing um and i compliment (laughs) people all the time i'm like oh my god like your dress looks so cute or your hair looks great and the looks people give me are like who is this woman and why is she giving me a compliment? Mm. And I'm like, just take the compliment and feel good. I don't understand. Yeah, you know, I actually think I've noticed the same thing. When I first moved back, I used to compliment people all the time. I still do. But now I usually do it with people I know already. Mm. So they know that I don't have an ulterior motive. But I feel like that's kind of where that caution was coming from of like, oh, this complete stranger is giving me a compliment. What? Do they want? Right. And I feel like that's a very sad way to be. It is. But Korea can be a very competitive society, especially in cities where there are a lot of people. There's usually, in cities, I think, in general, there's that Mm -hmm. heightened sense of being on the lookout for whoever's trying to take advantage of you. Right. And I remember, like, one time when I was living in London, like, central London, I was in an underground station, right, Mm -hmm. waiting for the tube. And I was in a line in the queue (laughs) (laughs) Uh, behind this woman. She had the most perfect pants slash trousers and they were just like exactly the right color exactly the right shape exactly the right cut Mm -hmm. and the right material i really wanted to ask her where she got them from but this being london like i just didn't feel comfortable and i was just standing there awkwardly just like staring basically at her butt (laughs) and not We get it, we get it. You were checking her out. It's fine. Yes. I was definitely (laughs) checking out what she had on her body. I was just like, I don't know what would be creepier in this situation for me to, like, tap her on her shoulder and ask her where she got her It just felt strangely intimate. 
And also, at that time, this function was just becoming available where you could like scan things on your phone. Yeah. Things you saw on the street, and they would tell you what it is. Yeah. And also, like, where you could get it from. And I was really tempted to like scan her trousers, but I'm like, no, 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 no. That's where I draw the line. Because <laughs> if she turned around. I know, that's the thing. Like, if she turned around, <laughs> I don't want to imagine what's going to happen next. I feel like cities tend to do that. Modern Korean people also tend to like be quite standoffish in public. Yeah. But it also depends on the age group. Older people are a lot less standoffish. Yeah. I fully saw a dialogue happen between two ajumas, older women. Mm -hmm. And they're just talking about, I don't know, somebody will just be like sitting there by themselves and this ajuma will be like, oh my gosh, my legs hurt so much. <laughs> like nobody asked her, but she'll right. just say it. And then some woman next to her will be like, oh, have you gotten that checked out? And they they won't have a full conversation yeah. until one of them gets off. But I feel like with younger people, that just does not happen. So I say, keep the compliments going. Thanks. At some point, it has to become normalized. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. Absolutely. Eventually, we're going to make it normal. Just go up there. Get up and close. Make it weird. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you seen this video on Instagram? There's this account. I forgot what it's called. I'm really terrible with names. Yeah. But there's this really lovely account of this guy who just carries around flowers. I think I've seen that. Yeah. And he just like gives flowers out to people. Yes. And he pretends to be just, oh, can you hold this for me while I tie my shoelaces? Mm -hmm. And then when they try to give it back to him, he's like, oh, no, no, you keep them. And then he, like, takes out a little note from his pocket and hands it to them. And it says something really lovely on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people cry. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I would probably cry if some <laughs> random person came up to me and just gave me yeah. a flower. Like, Especially bruh. in a city. Yes, it's so rare. Yeah, in the middle of a metropolis. That would be so cool. Yeah. It really highlighted for me the kind of expectations we have from each other when we're living in a very highly populated area. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of gesture is just so unexpected. Yeah. And so moving. And I'm like, oh. I do see videos of someone, again, I don't know what the account is either. I see them on Instagram a lot mm. of like this chick who like goes around and collects hearts in Hongdae. Oh. She'll just like go stand in the street and hold out a heart. Right. So she makes half a heart shape with her hand. And gets people to come up and complete it. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. It's so cute. <laughs> I just love when people do that. I love yeah. it. I feel like we could do that without having a camera, right. but I feel like without a camera, it's it is kind of creepy. It's weird, right? It's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little yeah, because it's like obviously it's very obvious that like, these people are recording what's going on. But... Right. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, next time I see you, I'm gonna compliment the meow out of you. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> Don't comment on the bags under my eyes. Thanks. <laughs> that literally once and you will not let me live it down never it was the most korean thing you've ever done i know i i don't, I don't feel like i do a lot of very like traditionally korean things but i think you're right the one time when i noticed that we're on the zoom chatting and we had been talking for like a couple of hours or three or four we had yeah right and i had noticed that you had like just like really really dark circles under your eyes but like not the kind that people have. It, they had grown in the time that we had been talking. They had, like, grown downwards. And I was like, whoa, you look really tired. Are you okay? And then you're like, and that is so insulting. I, I like, have never had someone be like, you got some under eye bags. Are you good? You all right? Are you Kinchana? Are you Kinchana? 
Oh my gosh, but yes. When there are two neurodivergent people talking to each other, you don't know what's gonna be understood and you don't know what's gonna be like super offensive. And everybody has like different lines, obviously, different standards for that. But I feel like in that moment, I was like, oh wow. I didn't even think it was rude, but I'm like, oh, maybe it is rude. But then also I was like, wait, did I like really offend you? And you're like, no. No, No, not at all. I'm just dramatic. I'm just a dramatic okay. mother. I don't actually feel like you were angry at me, so... Not at all. But you also do bring it up quite often. <laughs> I do. I do. You know, I that's what I get you for. Just like you always call me a baby. So, you know... Oh, yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, I think that's fair play. <laughs> Before coming to Korea, in the States, you worked as a victim's advocate for survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. Yes. And also at a outpatient rehab. Yes. What was that like? Yeah, so both were exhausting in their own ways. So immediately after graduating from college, I started working at a nonprofit as a victim advocate. And I only made it two months. Mm. That was the most stressful and sad, heartbreaking two months of my life. Working every day with people that either were trying to escape their abusers, had escaped, and were trying to like get protective orders Mm. or just whatever the case might be. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy. Mm. And all of their stories were so heartbreaking. I think I cried every day. I just, I cried all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very emotional. And honestly, I probably would have continued to work there a lot longer if the whole management situation wasn't really the greatest. And that's ultimately why I left, not because of the job itself. Right. Because um, the, the job was very rewarding when things did go the right way or when abusers finally got arrested or when they were able to get like a protective order granted. Those moments were great. Some moments were scary. I definitely was at a lady's house talking to her and filling out a bunch of paperwork. Oh. Um, um, and she straight up was like, oh, well, we should hurry up because he could sh- just show up at the house. And I was like, I- excuse me? Like, what? And I was like, oh, okay, let's get out of here, please. That's scary. Yeah. We would have people call our office and like threaten our office. I literally would park my car around back because like I drove a red car at the time. And like my license plate on the back of my car mentioned something to do with like math. And I was like, this license plate is way too, yeah, I'm sorry. It's like way too easily recognizable. Mm -hmm. So like I would park it around back. Mm -hmm. And eventually after so long, I actually wound up changing to like a very generic license plate. Right. Um, Because I just was very concerned (laughs) about my my own safety but yeah it was crazy i would go to court with them it was a lot and we cried together often but ultimately the management of the place is why i left it was a hot mess and i left to start working at another the outpatient court ordered rehab Mm-hmm. which was where I wound up up until I came to Korea. And that was the best job ever. Mm. <laughs> um, my bosses were great. My coworkers were great. My clients were crazy. <laughs> um, but it was just great. It was a great time. We had to do drug screens and we taught classes. So I taught like life skills classes and career skills classes, relapse prevention classes. And it was just like really great getting to know all these different kinds of people uh, who come from like all different walks of life. This job was also sad and I also cried a lot. Um, because like a lot of my clients' stories were just 
utterly heartbreaking. Yeah. Some of them were like side eye, like what is wrong with you? Uh-huh. But some of them were extremely heartbreaking, mm. and it just. It, it was a wild time. I just traded one very like emotionally exhausting job for another. Right. What was the motivation behind that? Um. Well, my bachelor's degrees are in math and criminology and criminal justice. Mm-hmm. So like I had decided by the time I graduated that I kind of wanted to go more of a criminal justice route. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to help people. And I really liked community corrections, which is ultimately what... Mm-hmm the rehab I worked at, that's what it was. Because right, right. it was a court-ordered program. So, like, people were sent there by judges, oh, okay. um, by probation or parole officers, home confinement officers. Like, they sent them to us. Mm-hmm. And it was a requirement as part of their probation or whatever to complete our program. And our program's a year long. And so if they didn't complete it, they often, like, would go to jail and, like, actually serve out their sentence right. for whatever the crime was. And if they did complete it, then they wouldn't have to go to jail. And sometimes they were even able to get charges reduced or dropped. It just depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. So we had all kinds of people in our program who were here on all different kinds of charges. I met all different kinds of people. <laughs> it was crazy. But it was a good job. And like when we had like successful clients, yeah. it was really great. Did you ever have to like fear for your own safety working that job? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So, but I'm noticing so, a little bit I, of a so, pattern here. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was only one time. There was only one, actually, two times. Mm-hmm. Two times. There were only ever two times that I truly feared for my safety. Mm. That's two times too many. Two times too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, considering I feared for my life way more often as a victim advocate, I say two times in like almost three years is pretty good compared to like seven times in two months. Right. So right, 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 right. I just, this was much better. But a lot of our clients have schizophrenia or like schizoaffective disorders, lots of mental health disorders. And I remember I had one client that I was working with. She was in the middle of a crisis, really, really bad. And it was getting very late. So like our office stays open until 8 p.m. So twice a week, I would work like a later shift and work like 11 to 8 And so it was one of those nights. And at this point, it's like 8.30. The building is closed. And it's me, this client, and one other coworker who has stayed with me. Because she's like, I'm not going to leave you here with a client by yourself at 8.30 at night. I was like, appreciate ya. Mm. And things just got really weird. Because the client was here and they're like talking to me. And they're crying. And we're just trying to get her to calm down so that we can all leave. Mm-hmm. And while we're there, someone calls the office. And no one should be calling after 8 o'clock because we're closed. Mm. And so my coworker just so happened to answer the phone and it was someone calling asking for me directly in regards to the client they knew that i was this client's case manager Mm -hmm. and i was like how do you know that because you shouldn't know that and so they asked for me spooky and then like my coworker was like oh well like she's not here right now what's going on here and then they mentioned something about my client trying to be like oh like i'm her sister her mom's in the hospital we're relaying all of this to my client and my client's like my mom is dead like, <gasps> what are you bro it was so creepy i was like i have never been more creeped out in my life and when i tell you my client oh my rose God. and just like shut down after that she was like i have to go and and I was like, are you sure? I'm concerned. And she's like, I have to go. And she got out of there so fast. And I was like, oh. it was one of the scariest moments of my life. I have goosebumps on my face right now. Bro. That's so scary. I was like, who is this person saying that she's the sister? Uh-uh. I was like, no. She left and me and my coworker dipped out of there so fast. I was so glad I parked my car close to that building that night. Woo! 
I was like, get me out of here now. Wow. It was the creepiest thing. So that was the first time. The second time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about the second time. I know, yes. right? The second time is because of the client I had in my office. So like the first one, it was an external thing. Like client isn't what made me fear for my life. It was just like the situation that we were yeah, in. Yeah, the yeah, second yeah. time was the client because she was unhinged. Oh, and yeah. I was like, she was like threatening. She kept telling me that like she's a violent person and like threatening to like hurt people. And she was threatening to hurt her own dogs. It was a whole thing. Wow. And she that just like stressful. When she spoke, she spoke like so calmly. That's worse. It was like a, a scary calm. Like I I remember being actually terrified by the time she got out of my office and I looked at my boss and I was like, she's unhinged. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like actually unhinged. I, I can't, she didn't last very long in our program. Like, cause she made so many clients so uncomfortable with the things that she would say. Cause we have like group classes okay. where like multiple clients are in like one relapse prevention class or something. And yeah, the things that she would say in class made people so uncomfortable. It, it She did not last very long in our program. She truly, she scared me more than the guy I had on my caseload for attempted murder. Like, she <sighs> terrified me. That does sound terrifying. <laughs> the, the guy I had on my caseload for attempted murder was the sweetest man I've ever met in my life. I couldn't even believe that he had been charged with attempted murder. Whoa. Meanwhile, her, she's here on like just some general roundabout mm -hmm. drug charges, and she scares the shit out of me. Wow. Like, I was like, I can't. It was, those are the only two times I've ever been afraid at my job. Mm -hmm. Well, at that job. Yes. What about at the current job where you work with children? <laughs> no, this Young one's children. so much better. Oh. <laughs> like emotionally. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I will say it's like a different kind of exhaustion though. Like mm. my old jobs were very mentally exhausting. Yeah. Whereas this job is more physically exhausting. Right. So I just, I traded one type of exhaustion for another yeah. when I came to Korea. So I don't know which one's worse. Honestly, I think the emotional exhaustion and the mental exhaustion is so much worse than the mm -hmm. physical. Cause like I can lay down and take a nap. <laughs> and get over like being physically right, tired right. but like the stuff i had to go through with my clients or the things that they went through that stuff just stays with you for a while yeah i'm sure once I left, I allowed a lot of the clients to add me on Facebook once I no longer worked there. The ones that were like doing well uh -huh. or like that I was kind of like really close to just like uh -huh. as a case manager, they'll like see my post or whatever. And sometimes they'll send me a message and let me know how they're doing. Mm. And I actually just recently allowed an old client to add me. And she wasn't doing like super well when I left, but like she messaged me the other day and was like, I'm almost six months clean. And so I was just like, oh my God, Aww. like this is why I let you guys add me. Cause it's so sweet. Like when you are doing well and it's like, I'm so proud of you for doing well. Yeah. But yeah, so it's nice to get like little updates from them or like they'll comment on my post and be like, we miss you so much. And then I'm like, oh, I miss you guys too. That's really nice. Yeah. I don't miss watching people pee, but I, I do miss the rest of it. Yeah. That is very sweet that you still get to follow up with your ex-clients. It is very sweet. Yes. What was... Oh, you don't miss watching people pee. I wanted to ask I you... I don't miss watching people pee. I, I don't miss it. You have to, like, be in the bathroom with the door open? So... No. Okay. okay. Um, so the way <laughs> the better. way our drug screening rooms were uh -huh. set up is it's a one-way mirror where I can see in, but they can't see out. And there's like five separate drug screening rooms. Inside of the drug mm -hmm. screening room is like 
a computer, a bunch of drink screening cups, and a bathroom within the room. Like we bring the client into the room, we give them a drug screening cup, the client goes into the bathroom, shuts the door, I turn off all the lights, they turn on the bathroom light, well I turn on the bathroom light, and then I can see them in the bathroom, but they're like in the bathroom alone. I'm not up in there with them. What's the one-way mirror for? It just kind of gives them like a sense of privacy, really, while they're using the bathroom. But isn't that even creepier? I don't know. I mean, they know I'm watching, obviously. But like, I think, I do, I truly think that it just kind of gives them like a little bit more of a sense of privacy while they're in there versus me literally standing over them and watching them pee, which makes some people really pee shy. Okay. I had, oh my God, speaking of, this is something, I had a client one time who could not pee Unless she, like, played with herself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I just, I just needed you to know that. So you had to just watch her. Like, Is that what she told you? Straight up, that's what she told me. And she would, and like, we would always tell her, like, you cannot touch yourself. Like, I have to be able to see your other hand. You cannot have things going on down there. But she would not pee. Like, she, it's like, she literally could not pee unless she, like, diddled herself. <laughs> I mean, it kind of oh my wants God. to make sense in my mind because <laughs> it is all connected down there. Oh, but my God. <laughs> still, like, that is a very awkward situation for you to Bro. be in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. But yeah, I just needed you to, I needed you to know that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you <laughs> for <laughs> giving me that image. Yeah. In regards to, you know, queer people and things, since that is kind of what this podcast is supposed to be about, um, <laughs> yes. not me watching people pee, <laughs> but um, we actually have a lot of trans clients. I say a lot. We, I think we had like a four one point in time, which is a lot considering the state that I was working in. At the same time. Yeah. Right. And that was always a very tricky thing because I was always, and I feel like I was, I mean, I will say a lot of my coworkers were very like liberal. A lot of them were very conservative. I, I was always a big proponent of just let them screen with whoever makes them comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. But then everyone's like, sorry, nah, we have to do things the way that probation and parole do things. And probation and parole are like, whatever sexual organ you have, that's the person who's going to screen you. Like it needs to match. Right, so if you're AFAB, assigned female at birth, your screener is going to be somebody who's also AFAB. Right. If you're AMAB, assigned male at birth. Yeah. If you're AMAB, your screener, is that the right word? I think so. The screener? Yeah, your drug screener. Yeah, The yeah. screener is going to also be AMAP, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we did our very best, I will say. Because of the way our drug screening rooms are designed, no one actually ever really sees who takes you into the room. Mm. One of my clients was a trans woman. If I was up there in the drug screening room, I would take her back. And then like once we got back there, I would switch with our male drug screener who would actually screen her just so that no one saw like a man take her back to screen. Okay. Because I was like, whatever I could do to try to make the situation a little less whatever. Um, Did your trans client know that another person was watching them? Yes. As they were actually urinating? Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Funny enough, I usually wound up with most of the trans clients. I think they were just like, mm -hmm. Danny's very liberal and Danny's very, you know, whatever. They, I always wound up with them. Not all of them, but a, 
<laughs> good portion. Mm. And so I always made it very, very clear in the beginning uh, when I was doing the intake, this is how this is going to work. If this is something you're not okay with, then I would talk to your lawyer, your probation officer, whoever is the one who sent you here. Mm -hmm. Now, usually if they're on probation or parole, then they're already used to this because probation and parole does it the same way. Mm -hmm. If they're not here through probation and parole, then that's usually where things kind of get a little bit like... They're more uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, like, I always made it very clear, this is how this is going to work. So if you don't like this, then like you need to talk to your lawyer or your probation officer, whoever is the person that you need to talk to uh-huh. about this. Because unfortunately, on my end, there's nothing I can do. I just have to follow the rules that I'm given, uh-huh. unfortunately, even if I don't like it. Uh-huh. And most of the time, there wasn't a problem. I don't think a single client that I had was... That they understood that like I couldn't do anything about it, basically. Yeah. And I just did whatever I could to make it as comfortable for them as possible. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of went from there. But yeah. Uh, it's... That's something you don't think about a lot. It's not. Yeah. The only client I had that did not have to do that was I had a client who had had bottom surgery. Right. And so they allowed another AFAB screener to screen her. Right. Right. But yeah, that uh, was... Yeah, that is... Really, food for thought. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I thought about that and I was like, wait a minute, hold on. This is kind of relevant. Yeah, it is relevant. And also, just to give you a heads up, we might just need to have a whole different episode about this. It's probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Here, because I don't want to miss <laughs> any like single aspect of this. And also, I want to hear more stories. But I definitely think it's going to be fully age-restricted. <laughs> yeah, that episode will have to be. And then you can say everything. Yeah. Despite everything, it was like one of my favorite jobs I've ever had in my life. The rehab? The rehab. Not the, no. I think I could have loved being a victim advocate if the nonprofit that I worked for had been different. Right. If it had been like run by different people. I think I could have really enjoyed it. It's just the way that it was ran was not beneficial for Mm -hmm. me (laughs) and not conducive to my type of like work environment. (laughs) Which is real. It's very real. Yeah. I'm glad you found a workplace that was better suited for you yeah. uh, before leaving the country. It was hard. It was hard to leave that job. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. I went back and forth for a while. Really? Do you think if you had stayed in the States, you would have just continued working there? Absolutely. I'd still be there. Yeah, I definitely would still be there. Mm. So what was the motivation behind coming, relocating to Korea? It was truly it just, just Ian. It just, just Ian was the motivation. He like I came home <laughs> from work one night. It was, it was one of my late nights. Mm. I got off at eight. It takes me about thirty minutes to get home from where I worked. And I came through the right. door because Ian worked from home. And I came in, and Ian was like, "Yo, I'm gonna teach in Korea. I'm signing up for the class to get my TEFL certification. Mm. You should do it too." And I was like, "I don't know." maybe and then like i did some research into like the whole process or whatever and i was like i mean this sounds kind of cool and i've always wanted to go to korea why not you know and then it just went from there Mm. (laughs) truly he was the motivation if he had not come up to me and been like let's go teach in korea i would probably still be in the states Mm. do you ever miss that job oh yeah absolutely i absolutely miss the job I think I miss my coworkers more than necessarily than the job itself. I mean, right. I miss the job too. It was a very rewarding job when our clients like were successful. 
it actually felt like we were making a difference because there were lots of days where like I would have such frustrating days with my clients. All of them are forced to be there. None of them are there voluntarily. Mm. And so most of the time they don't want to be there. They complain. They're dragging their feet. They make it very difficult for you to help them. Mm -hmm. And so those days can be really frustrating because it's like, why am I even bothering to do this? I care more than they do about their own recovery. Mm. But then you get those few clients that do truly want to change and get better. Mm -hmm. And when you have those moments and you see them be successful, like it is just absolutely worth it. Mm. I'm like, I'll take 20 more clients that don't care if it means I have at least like one that is successful and gets through the program and does make a better life for themselves. Mm. So yeah, I do miss the job. I do. It was a good job. It's interesting how... I always think that going into any conversation with you, um, <laughs> I'm always just like super excited because I am definitely expecting the the sunshine version of you to show up, which she always does. Yeah, of course. And then also like sometimes the edgier. <laughs> so I don't, there's just like, it's like very intense. Yeah. Uh, sort of like, I don't want to uh, make it sound like there are lights. Mm-hmm. Like a bright version of you in a dark. Right, and right. life isn't like that. Like it's all a mix. But sometimes like we just end up talking about some really raw, yeah, <laughs> intense, mm-hmm. real life stuff. I just want you to know I also appreciate that about you. Thanks. Thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, now I'm just even more curious to hear <laughs> the rest of your story. <laughs> I worked there for three years. Almost three. Almost three years. Not a full three. It was almost three years. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's a really unique experience to work with with people who who are just in need of help. And yeah. like I always think of people who do that kind of work as someone who's like very different from me mm-hmm. somehow. But it's not the case. <laughs> it's just kind of like surprising sometimes when someone I know does that kind of work. Um, a cousin of mine used to be a nurse at the ICU oh, cool. in the university hospital. And some of the stories that she has is like really intense as well. Yeah. I went to school with this one girl. I sat next to this one girl who later became like an art teacher in an all-men's prison, maybe. Oh, cool. And she wrote a book about it. And I was just like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I feel like the world is a little bit safer because there are people like you who actually go into these lines of work. Now we got to the last part of the episode. There we go. Uh, What are you passionate about? Singing. Yes, I love to sing. I host karaoke twice a month at two different bars every single month. It is my favorite thing to do. I am constantly going to norebangs or asking people if they want to come to them with me. It is my favorite thing in the world. So when I'm not watching people pee, (laughs) (laughs) I like to... I like to sing. <laughs> okay, so when we're at the Cabin in the Woods, yes. we had a karaoke night. Yes. And everybody was singing. And then you sang Adele's... Which one is it? One and Only. One and Only. Right. That's your go-to. It and is. you sang this song. And the room was just like holding its breath. <laughs> it was like completely silent, completely still, like completely mesmerized. And afterwards, I was like... Danny, what, what, what was that? And you're like, oh, I used to sing in the choir. And I'm like, what? And then you taught me a phrase, throwing your shoe at someone because they're very good at something. Uh, And I was like, well, now I'm like shoeless, thanks to you. (laughs) 
<laughs> threw all my shoes at you. Yeah, so really, like, you have such a beautiful voice. Thanks. And I think you also have that presence of just kind of... People can just, like, zone out and just, like, listen. I mean, not zone out. It's fine if they do. <laughs> but it's just, like, it's just a whole performance. It's not just yeah. singing. That's what I was trying to say. Do you ever sing in the shower? Oh, all the time. Not as much now, because shower... My neighbor would, like, hear me mm. <laughs> if I tried to now. Like, back home, I gave, like, full performances with choreography oh. in the shower. <laughs> we do love that. We do. The choreography is really kind of, like, it's the icing on the, the icing on the cake. It's yeah. the cherry on the icing on the cake, okay? <laughs> oh, so, cherry on top, top or of the icing, icing on the on cake. The cake. I know, but we can mix the two. Cherry on top of the icing of the cake. The icing is your voice, okay? Thank you. I, I actually recently realized how often I do use like little like euphemism and phrases like that without mm. even realizing it. Because like I was texting one of my Korean friends and he is constantly sending me messages like, what does that mean? Because I've used mm. some very specific phrase and I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I do it all the time. And I don't even realize like how often I use them. Right. A lot of English speakers complain that Korean is really hard to learn. And I agree. Korean is hard to learn. Very different from English. However, English might be easier to ease into at the beginning. But all of these sayings. And they're different depending on where you're from. Exactly. <laughs> In the States, I feel like it is very specific to where you're from. Uh, what culture. Oh, absolutely. Even if you're speaking English, right, within English, there are mm -hmm. so many of these specific cultures. Also, the States has very specific turns of phrases. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Which is so specifically American, but because American culture is sort of everywhere... Yeah. I think American people don't realize how specifically American these phrases are. Yeah. And it's like, even like within America, we debate with each other on what certain like, phrases and things are. Like, it's one thing when here I debate a lot of times with like my British friends about like how we say certain things, whatever. Mm. But even mm -hmm. within America, we debate on what certain things are called mm -hmm. just based on like where you're from in America, right? It's so, like, I'm from the South. Right. So that thing that you push around in a grocery store and put your groceries in, I call it a buggy because I'm from the South, like a horse and buggy, whatever. That's what I call it. Mm -hmm. Everyone from the North in America or from the West looks at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, it's a shopping cart. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. it's a buggy. <laughs> So, so like just even like little things like that, like we fight with each other. Is it soda or is it pop? Like whatever. Like we argue mm. with each other. <gasps> In Korea, my mom was really confused because my brother was mailing me something from London and he sent me a bunch of notebooks. So I told my mom, oh, he sent over a box of notebooks, my old notebooks and sketchbooks. They arrived and she was like, but how's the computer? And I was like, he didn't send over a computer. And she was like, but you said a notebook. And I was like, yeah, like literal notebooks. And she was like, oh, like actual notebooks. Because in Korea, a laptop is called notebook. Yeah. And that one, I really learned a hard way when I moved to England. Because like, yeah. when people said notebook, I thought they meant a laptop. Like laptop. And I'm like, yeah. What is a my, laptop? Yeah, my Korean teacher has told me about that one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I was always it so confused. confuses me. You poor thing. That was my first introduction. I was like, oh, right. A notebook, laptop. Got it. 
but not really. My favorite, very like specifically Southern phrase that is like my all time favorite. I love telling people this that are not from the South because they look at me like I'm crazy. But we have a phrase for when it's raining, but the sun is out. Like it's not a cloudy day, mm. but it's raining. And in the South, we say the devil's beating his wife. <laughs> Oh my god. And so like that's what that is. Then I'll be like, oh like so if you walk outside and it's raining and the sun's out, it's very common to hear somebody like, oh, like devil's beating his wife. Whatever. That's what we Mm. I mean (laughs) it's pretty disturbing. It is, but you know. In Korea, actually, uh, we have a different interpretation. (laughs) 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 Which is When that happens, a fox is getting married. But it's like a female fox because the phrase that's used to describe the wedding Mm -hmm. is for femme folks. So we're like, oh, a fox is getting married. Okay. Um, Which I think is a slightly less disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little less violent. Than the devil's beat his wife. (laughs) Yeah. Why are all these things so gendered? Why are both of these things so gendered? You know. Again, we can gleam how binary gender and like heteronormativity is woven into everything these traditions because why do we assume the devil is a man and also why is he straight like why is he married to a woman right we don't know we don't uh could be a different kind of domestic abuser i know that's like terrible to say but like i mean could be it happens domestic abuse happens in same-sex couples in queer couples it's real look it up absolutely um how did we get here Huh? How did we get to this? <laughs> this is supposed to be like the light fun part, by the way. When we wrap Nothing's ever up. light and fun with me. What do you mean? No, I'm just kidding. Everything yeah, we have no fun. boundaries. That is a thing. That's how we get to None. this point. I think yeah, that's what it we is. Have like a, we have like a general outline where we know that we're safe with each other, yes. right? But other than that, there are no other boundaries. None. So... <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> well, thank you for rolling with it. Absolutely. We are the role. We are. So, um, right. What brings you joy? Did you answer yes. this question? No, I did not. Did not. I did not <laughs> answer that question. <laughs> so, currently, at this point in time in my life, what brings me joy right now, um, is watching my childhood cartoons come to life because Netflix just came out with their live adaptation of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Which was my favorite show as a child. I grew up watching it. I'm obsessed with it. I've seen the whole show a million times. I've read all the comics. I've watched The Legend of Korra. Like, I've read those comics. I literally have a stuffed Appa. Unfortunately, he's back home in the States. I miss him. My mother needs to send him to me. I don't know what that is. Oh, sorry. So (laughs) I know nothing about Avatar. (gasps) (laughs) You look like you're just having a stroke. (laughs) A moment of silence. I just... I actually don't. I know that it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. The one that you... The show you're talking about right now is on Netflix. I know... And the original. Uh Yeah. And the original. It's all on Netflix. Okay. I mean, I tried watching when the movie came out many years ago. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. But I just didn't understand it. Mm -mm. I didn't understand it. That movie does not exist. That movie's not real. That movie does not (laughs) exist. It is the worst thing ever created on the planet. We don't acknowledge that movie. We don't. Okay. That movie's not real. You didn't watch anything. Okay. (laughs) You didn't watch anything. No, I might as well have not watched anything because I don't recall anything. You didn't miss much. Other than the fact that there was a movie and I tried watching it. I didn't understand it. 
there wasn't a movie. What okay. are you talking about? So, I'm only four episodes in. There's eight episodes. They're each about, like, 50-ish minutes or so. And we have to remember the original series. They're, like, 20-minute episodes where you take out all the commercials, right? Uh-huh. They're, like, 20-minute episodes. And there's, like, 20 episodes within the first two seasons, I think. So, maybe ten up, roughly 10 episodes a season. Mm-hmm. And so, maybe, wait, is it 20? In, hold on. Now I gotta know. Because I, I want this number to be accurate. Oh, sorry. There's 20 episodes in the first season alone of the original cartoon. Now, obviously, they're like 20 okay. minute episodes and there's 20 episodes, right? So yeah. they have taken that 20 episodes and they've shrunk it into eight 50 minute episodes. So obviously, mm-hmm. things are going to be taken out and they're going to be changed. Mm-hmm. There were some changes they made that I don't like. But after I got past the first episode and I got all of my complaints, my initial complaints, anyway, out of the way, I started to like really enjoy it because as you're getting through the second and third episodes, they weave together a lot of storylines that were originally separate Mm. and happened in different locations of the original series and put them together mm-hmm. in one city. And honestly, it makes sense how they did it. And I was watching it and I was talking about it with Ian and I was like, wait a minute. I kind of like how they overlapped these episodes because each of the episodes that they overlapped, like there was one character of the three in the gang that it kind of focused on. Cause you know how like there's three main characters, mm-hmm. but not every episode is about all of them. Like sometimes there's like a focus on one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so they took those episodes where one of them was the focus and basically cut the other two out and put them on their plot line for their little plot from their episodes and just kind of shoved them all together. But the way they did it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And it made sense. At first, I was like, what the heck is he doing here? Like, this happened there. But then, like, as we were watching it unfold, I was like, I like this. I see what y'all did there. I'm not mad at what happened. Yeah, I like it when they can pull it off. Yeah, Yeah. they pulled it off really well. I enjoyed it. Also, they've been filling in. They, like, fill in gaps of things that, like, weren't necessarily answered in the cartoon because it's a cartoon that was meant for kids. Mm. So, like, there's a lot of darker aspects of the show that they don't show in the animation because it's designed for kids. Yeah. And they, because this is now geared towards adults and it's more dramatic, like they show a lot of things that were briefly talked about in the cartoon, but like they didn't show obviously. And so it's really cool seeing those parts and watching them fill in those gaps. We knew that this is what happened because we have brains and can assume, mm-hmm. but getting to like actually see it, I was like, oh snap. Mm-hmm. And it's dark. Bro, this is dark. You watch one of the firebenders burn a man alive in like the first episode. I was like, oh crap. <laughs> like, it show is dark. I'm conflicted. I kind of want to watch it. You have to watch the cartoon first. No. No, you have to. No, Jay, you, you have to. You, you know have why? to watch the cartoon no, first. No, 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 no. Okay, I have two arguments for why if I watch this show, I'm probably going to watch the Netflix like live version of it. <sighs> A, you said that they weave together separate plot lines to make a more compact sort of show that works together in this format of a limited numbers of episodes. Yes. I like it when I go into a show and I watch this and then I learn about the background of where the show actually comes from. And then I watch like the originals and then I see this was like where it was taken from. I like the creative process 
that I can see in between those two things. <laughs> if I watch this live action show, then I'm going into it with this knowledge, so I'm gonna keep that in mind. Yeah. So I can appreciate it a little bit, even if I don't watch the animation version. My second argument is that based on my experience of trying to watch Japanese animation shows, I will say this is not a Japanese anime. This is very much an American cartoon. Oh, really? So it is not a Japanese anime. It is very much an American cartoon with like Japanese influence. But like it's not an anime. Oh, I thought it was fully like that story of like the monkey boy, like the Sonokong. No, I don't no, know no, what no. it's called in Korean. But I thought it was just like that, just like a different version of that. Oh yeah, no, no, which no, is not taken at all. From like a Chinese myth. Mm-mm. Okay. No, no, no. All right, so that's cleared up. Um, that's why I didn't understand anything when I watched the movie because I thought it was about one thing, and I was like, yeah, "Oh, no. this is Mm-mm. not that." Okay, yeah. so it's an American Mm-mm. show, right? Yeah, it just has like, yeah, it just has like anime like influence, but it is not okay. like a Japanese anime whatsoever. I would not put that. I watch a lot of anime. I would not put those in the same category. This is an American cartoon. Okay, so yeah. Actually, that does not change my argument, which is that whenever I try to watch these, like, animated shows, mm-hmm. we're not talking about, like, Toy Story or whatever. Right, right, right. We're talking about, like, these animated shows. I don't know what it is, but my attention just drifts. I can't really be focused on it. But that's why the short episodes are so perfect. It's only 20 minutes. Maybe. I'll... Listen, Look, you know I have a lot of resistance. I know you do. You know I have a lot of resistance. I know you do. I know you do. So, the first hurdle is watching an episode of The Last Airbender, the Netflix show. And then, if I get through that show, or actually get through the f- one, the first episode that I watch. You know I don't always watch things linearly either. You should, this you have to watch linearly. You have to watch. It's not going to make sense if you don't. I probably will. You okay, have to I watch it literally. Because there aren't as many episodes. Um, I'm just saying this because, like, you know, I watched, like, yeah. I jumped from season one to season six of 911. Yeah. I feel like that's a show where, like, what's happening in that show overall, I feel like you can kind of jump around, you know? Like, obviously, there's, like, character storylines that, like, are happening in a linear fashion. Yeah. But you have to watch Avatar linearly. It happens in reality. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. a semblance of reality as we yeah. know it. Avatar is not necessarily that, yeah. if my understanding is correct. You'll be very confused. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I will probably watch it linearly. Don't worry. I will watch, like, the whole thing if I get through the first episode. So that's the first hurdle. The second hurdle will be trying to watch anything other than that, which I don't have any faith in, in myself to do that. <sighs> you, hurt, you hurt me, Jay. You hurt me so much. <laughs> if, look, here's the thing. If you watch the live action... I'm going to need yes. you to watch the cartoon because I need you to truly appreciate all the things. Because that's the thing is, I feel like because I've seen the cartoon and I know what the original source material was, I appreciate yeah. the how they wove things together even more. Why can't you just tell me about it? <laughs> it's not the same. You have to watch it. <laughs> it's not the same. It is not the same. That's true. That's true. I will be okay with you watching the live action first. I will be. Because I feel like that's what's going to happen. Okay. I'm realistic. Okay, I, yeah, I'm, re- I'm a yeah. realistic person. But you have to watch the cartoon. Just the first... Like, here's the thing. If you're going to watch... I'm not saying you have to watch all three seasons of the original cartoon. Okay. But once you watch the yes. first season of the live action, because only the first season's out, 
You have to watch the mm-hmm. first season of the cartoon. Because those two obviously go together. 20 episodes. Gosh. 20 minutes uh, a piece. They're 20. Take your time. Watch like an episode a day. It's 20 minutes. Okay. 20 minutes. Uh, I'll, think, I'll think about it. Thank you for your suggestion. They even have it in Korean. You can okay. watch it in okay, Korean fine. if you want to. Or in English. They have it in Korean? Yeah, you can no, watch. No, I think that would be a worse experience. It probably would be. If it was made in English, I don't think it would translate very well. Yeah, watch it in English. That's also on Netflix? Yeah, both are on Netflix. Okay, I guess. Ugh. I- so, here, I can tell you this, right? So, for The Last Airbender, all three seasons, they are facing the same problem. Like, they have the same ultimate end goal. The goal is for Aang to learn all three elements so that he can face Fire Lord Ozai and defeat him before Sozin's Comet comes. Yeah. Those words make a lot of sense to me. I know, yes. <laughs> I know, I know those meant nothing to you. But that is what all three seasons about. So the first season is um, water. That's literally him learning how to water bend. The second one is earth bending. The third one is fire bending. Okay. So literally, they have the same goal throughout the entirety of the three seasons. So when you finish season one, the story's not over. That's daunting. I mean, <laughs> that's like not quite emptying your bladder, but. You're kind of like short on time, so you gotta go. There's somebody knocking on the door. I mean, if you've seen the cartoon, then you already know what happens. Oh my gosh. So it's a little less daunting when you already know the story. No, no, no. I'm gonna watch the, the live version first. You never know, though. I might get this incredible urge to watch the animation version you might, you after might. watching the live action. So, and this is how I express my <laughs> affection to people. <laughs> By giving my time. Thank you. To things that they're interested in. I appreciate in. it. Because mm. if you want to know more about me, this is the show to watch. Because this show is my life. I love this show. I make references to this show all the time. I literally have a stuffed oppa, which is a sky bison. I know you don't know what that is. You'll watch the show and you'll figure it out. I love this show so much. This show has affected so many parts of my personality. And this show means so much to me if someone asks me what is your favorite show avatar the last airbender every single time that is my favorite show is this actually about asian people it's based on um no so it's not i think hold on it's about hold on what what's the ethnicity what is the supposed or or expressed ethnicity of the main character so um it's different so so yeah it kind of is so each of the four nations is inspired (laughs) by different cultures from the real world the water tribe is inspired by like indigenous arctic cultures um the earth kingdom is inspired by monarchical china um the fire nation is inspired by imperial japan and then air nomads are inspired by tibetan buddhist monks so you're asking me an East Asian person to watch a show that's like basically <laughs> cultural appropriation. <laughs> show is so you know what? It, <laughs> I feel like it's important to just just note that um, the creators are going Asian. Into this show. The creators are okay. Asian. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, that's also helpful to know. <laughs> but I will watch the show because I do love you. Thanks. And I do care about the things you care about, which is how I got invested in 911, which I still have to process because I there know. are so many things that go on in that show. Um, 
I lied. They're not Asian. <laughs> I don't feel like this is convincing me to watch the original series. I I need you to just look up the names of the people that created this show. Okay. Because it's not given. That's a white man. That looks like a white man. <laughs> the creators are not Asian. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not Asian. I'm so sorry. I thought they were. They're not Asian. I lied. That's why I looked it up so that I could correct myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't think those are Asian names. <laughs> they sound Asian. Brian, oh, forget that. What? Not the, not, they sound not Asian. <laughs> That's the racist. I know. Brian Konietzko and that Michael Asian. Dante DiMartino. No, not Konietzko Michael. Michael sounds Michael. The Michael DiMartino. That doesn't sound Asian. The Brian dude. His last name sounds Asian. Yeah, but anyway, what kind of they're Asian not do you Asian. think Konietzko is? I don't know. I don't know, okay? You want obviously, to believe they're Asian. Obviously not Because Korean, America has some issues. Look, it does. We do. Yeah, no, I, uh, I feel you. Look, I really wanted to believe that they were. I really, truly thought they were. I apologize. They are not. They're two white dudes. Um, but the show's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the show's amazing. We need to move on. We so do. let's move on to the next show oh next no the next question <laughs> i feel like i need to be asked this question right now but is there anything <laughs> is there anything that you do to feel at peace especially when things are not peaceful in life i watch avatar the last airbender but anyways um no seriously i actually i do but i also love <laughs> to color i love to color when i'm like stressed out or upset I like turn off all the lights and put on like a lamp. Yes. And I play like really soft, soothing, relaxing music. And I just bust out my markers in a really simple coloring page. And I color mm -hmm. while sometimes watching Avatar. But that's besides the point. Oh my God. <laughs> but no, I love to color. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. And you also like to smell lavender scented candles while you do that. Yes. I light all of my lavender. Yeah. I know things about you. Um, I did not know that you felt this passionately about Avatar. Look. <laughs> it's my favorite show. They have books. Like, they even have novels. But if I don't like the show... It's okay if you don't like it. It's not everyone's cup of tea. It's fine. I mean, I'm gonna be sad. I'm just gonna forget that you recommended that show if I don't like it. Okay. We're never gonna talk about it again. Is that okay? <laughs> I promise you we'll it talk about terrible. it again. <laughs> I'm probably, I'm probably gonna rant at you for like 30 minutes. I want minutes you to know that I accept like, no yes, Avatar yes. The Last Airbender slander. Slander? I accept no slander. But what if they're valid? I'm sure they are valid. I actually don't mind if when people sort of crap on the shows that I love. No, it's fine. Uh, because I'm like, it's hey, okay. that's valid. It is valid. Yeah. It's okay. It's actually, I don't really care. Um, yeah, they, I'm exactly the same way. Even if you it's crap fine. on it, like, I'll still love it, so... Right, so it's fine. Honestly, it's not everyone's cup of tea. It is also different. I feel like watching it, like, for the first time as an adult versus, obviously, I watched it as it was coming out as a kid. Yeah. And it just, yeah. Who knows, if I had never watched it as a child and I was watching it now, I probably wouldn't feel the same way about it that I do. Probably not. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you most excited about these days? <laughs> um, 
Sorry. I just, the urge to be like Avatar. But anyways. No. Moving on. I am fully moving on. Um, I am very, very excited about some of my goals for the year. Uh-huh. I am a big reader. And one of my goals is to read 100 books. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen because I did not read for the entire month of February. It's a big number. Um, We've just been in a slump and I have not read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many books have you read so far? In January, I read six, and then I've read one in the beginning of February. Uh-huh. Right. So you just got 93 to go. Yeah, I got a lot to go. Yes. So mathematically, I'm supposed to read like eight and a half books every month in order to get to 100. Uh-huh. And I was willing to accept the six in January. I was like, okay, rough start. That's fine. I've got holidays coming up. I can, we can fix mm-hmm. that. Other than that first book at the very beginning of February. And I mean, I literally started it on February 1st and finished it on like February 3rd. I have not read a book since. <laughs> so we're struggling. So I'm trying to get back into my reading. It's okay. You only got to read like 17 books, 16 books because you read one next month. We'll see. We'll see. It's okay. You can still catch up. I don't think that's going to happen. But didn't you also say that it's not actually your goal to read 100 books? Yes. So it's like just to read more books than the previous year. Yes. Your actual yes. goal. Yeah, yes. yeah. The actual goal is always to read more than I read the previous year. But I always tell myself the big one is like 100. I want to read 100 books. Mm. I will do it one day one year we'll try yeah no i actually don't doubt it it just won't be this year probably because february was rough yeah that's okay and then the other thing i'm very excited about (laughs) is my other goal for the year to finish one of the many novels that i have started and never finished Mm -hmm. what is it i haven't decided which one because i have so many Uh, one of them them. okay i haven't decided which one because i've started so many they're all so different and i just i don't know which one i want to finish part of me feels like i should finish the fantasy one that i started because i spent so much time like world building and i even made a map i think i sent you the map oh yeah 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 yeah. of like the whole world i put in so much effort yes and so I was like, I feel like I should finish that one. But I don't know if that's going to be the one. The novel that I've started that has like the most in it, uh-huh. crime, it's like a crime comedy kind of thing. It's very playful, um, mm. which is so unlike me in anything that I write or read. Love it. I actually started that novel when I was in college because I took two writing workshops while I was in college. Mm-hmm. And the second one I did is when I started this novel and my professor was challenging me to write something different. Mm. Cause the first time I took the course, it was like very high stakes, very dramatic, very like dark things is what I usually wrote. And so when the second time I took the class, she was encouraging me to write something different mm-hmm. uh, and try something else. So I went with this like very cute, comedic kind of story and it follows this woman who is the leader of this crime syndicate in america and she's married to a cop who is trying to shut down the crime syndicate oh i think you told me about this story yeah Yeah, and like they are aware of what each other does like so she knows Mm -hmm. that he's a cop and he knows that she's involved in this Mm -hmm. um and they try to like help each other so like she'll feed him some low-level people and he'll conveniently let her get away if she gets caught and i was so proud of this thing and the opening scene of the whole thing is literally like um she he is it him i I don't know 
I think he busts in the door. I it's been a minute. I think um the cop like busts in the door like after work and it's like you fucking shot me. Oh okay. Like, they have this whole back and forth. Yeah. But it's like them arguing with each other. Do you feel like is this a good idea to share this story for many many people to listen to? They could potentially steal my story. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna share any more than that. Okay. There's a lot of other aspects to the book i feel like i feel like that's a strong start yeah yeah but i probably won't ever finish it but i feel like the guy should be wasian and Wasian. the wife <laughs> i don't know if i should, should write be. a wasian character as a non-wasian oh, no. person <laughs> are you sure <laughs> i don't want to culturally appropriate <laughs> wait who are you like have you how do you picture these characters my characters are always black, generally, because I am black. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, I'll have, like, you know, like, white side characters, whatever. But my main characters are always black. Just because, like, that's who I am. I write about people that look like me. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough stories out there in the world, I feel like, that mm. feature, like... I mean, and there's more. Like, there's tons of black authors out there. And I love reading all of their novels. Mm -hmm. But I am always wanting to supply more of that. Yeah, of course. So, you're excited about reading... 17 books next month and also <laughs> continuing to write this novel a novel i haven't picked which one okay a novel a novel i've got like seven that i'm trying to pick right i love that i love that for you like at the beginning stages of a friendship we're like oh we're both interested in writing oh that's so great like what are you interested in reading <laughs> and you're like um crime crime or there's a lot of blood yeah. and gore i literally have like a list of like all the different ways to kill a character in a book mm. and i just kind of like update it periodically <laughs> because like i like to in so that was surprising like, I just like because sometimes I want to come up with like a really creative way to like kill a character off in a book that I'm writing. Uh -huh. So like I have a list. <laughs> Got it. And whenever I hear a new way, I'm like, ooh, let me write that down. I might use that later. Oh, okay. This is another thought branching mm -hmm. off. But is that why you like 911, the TV show? Because there's a lot of blood. It's like the actual gore, most of it is off screen. Right. But there is that kind of, oh, keeping you on the edge. Lots of adrenaline, lots of blood, lots of broken bones and yeah. and all this stuff. Like our favorite characters could die yeah. at, I mean, in any episode, but come to the brink of death, but not actually die. I do. I think it's like the high stakes and the adrenaline, yeah. that kind of thing keeps me into shows like 911. It's not necessarily the killing or the blood or whatever. I do get grossed out, like, when I see, like, lots of... Oh, really? Like, I can see blood. I'm not gonna, like, pass out or something. But, like, if I'm watching, like, a really uh. gory death scene, I do get grossed out. <laughs> I just keep watching. Mm. I think it's the sounds that get me. The sounds are the worst part, honestly. The, like, crunching yeah. or, like, the... <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, I, it's definitely like the high stakes and the adrenaline and it's like the constant one thing after another. I feel like that really keeps mm -hmm. me on the edge of my seat. Right. And that's why I like shows like that. Like I like 911. Criminal Minds was like one of my favorite shows growing up. Criminal Minds is actually the reason I have a degree in criminology and criminal justice. Really? Absolutely. It follows the behavioral analysis unit of the FBI. Mm -hmm. The BAU is literally, they're all profilers. So what they do is they mm -hmm. use profiling in order to catch serial killers and other things it is amazing if you've never watched it please do i think it's all on netflix is it on netflix no paramount plus it's on paramount plus i think okay
because I don't feel like life should be about productivity. I really don't feel right. that way. Um, but like clearly these things mean something to you. Like, do you have an end goal for like when you want to finish writing the novel? The end of the year. So that, that's like my yearly goal. The end of this year. I'm giving myself okay, so all year. Think, okay, so how do you think you'll feel if you read more books than last year and you finished writing this novel? I think I'll just be like, year. I mean, like, honestly, like, like a little proud of myself to be like, you set a goal yeah. and you did the thing. Like, you stuck it out and you finished it because I never finished anything. That would be really cool. That would be really yeah. cool. Yeah, I just don't like, like, I guess... And I honestly, you know, the way I see you would not change. <laughs> that would not Thank be you. affected at all. Like whatever happens with that, with your goals. But like, I've been told that next year, so literally next week, when the new school year starts, I will be teaching just five year olds. Cause uh, in Korea, the new school year starts in March. Yes, that was an adjustment. Because mm. in America, like, it starts in August. Right. In the UK, it's, like, September. Yeah. So when the new school year starts, I will be teaching the same five-year-old class all day. Right now, I switch between five and six-year-olds, and I teach, like, certain subjects mm. to the five and six-year-olds, which is lovely. And I like having the switch. I get to work with different kids. Mm -hmm. It gives me a break from one set of kids. Next year, I will be with the same five-year-old class all day. And I will teach them everything. And I don't know how I feel that about it. That sounds fun. I'm not looking forward to it. That sounds stimulating. Oh, God. I'm going to be exhausted. Check back in with me next week and see how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And I'll talk about your dark circles. I'll just check on your dark circles. <laughs> when you, when we were messaging on Instagram and uh -huh. you referred to me as a raccoon no. or a baby, a panda, a panda, a panda, not a raccoon. I sent a panda emoji just because you a were panda. making a joke about it. You, and you, I was building oh, on it. Evil, I was building on evil it. Evil. That's what I was. I said, they had the audacity. I said, I said, I said. Compare me to a panda. No, I, I put a panda emoji and I said, the panda emoji are really cute. Whatever. Pretty sure what Whatever. I said. Yes. Whatever. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> we got to own our bodies. Okay. Some of us have bags under our eyes. Some of us have a lot of acne like me right now. And I'm in my 30s. I never had acne. I have so much acne on my face right now. And I actually don't care when people mention that. I'm just like, yeah, I have acne. So what? So what? What are you going to do about right. it? Who cares? Who cares? Literally. Well, apparently my family members care a lot. My uncle oh, is really distressed by my acne. I'm not sure why. <laughs> really? He comments on them every time he sees me. That's why. He's very sad about them. Oh, my goodness. It's like, you used to have such good skin. And I'm like... Hmm. Well, you know. Yes. No response. Hormones. Yeah. No. They care a lot. Um, You're literally like a teenage boy. He actually doesn't know that I'm on uh, HRT. Uh, but I think my cousin knows. Like his daughter. Mm -hmm. And she's just awkwardly sitting in between us. Just going like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, Jay has acne. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It like, just happens. Just wants this conversation to be over. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day, mm -hmm. this is my midlife crisis. Just assuming that I'm going to live until 60. Because, like, whatever comes after that, I feel like is a bonus. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like whatever comes after this is a bonus. So, I'm like, if this is my midlife crisis, I'm okay with that. Yeah. 
you know? So funny. All my friends, we joked when we all turned 25, they were like, oh, we're going to have a quarter life crisis. And I was talking about it with one of my friends. And I was like, I don't think I really had a quarter life crisis. And she's like, Danny, you moved to Korea. Yeah, you moved <laughs> like, across oh. the globe. <laughs> she's like, that was your quarter life crisis. I was like, you're right. You might be right. But you know so. what? Neuro spicy brains definitely interpret reality differently. Yeah. Do you? This is just a decision that you made. I'm it like, was a decision. Who's to say? If this is not a quarter life crisis to you, it is not. Okay. You, you have the power. <laughs> you we tell our own stories. Oh, you're frozen. Oh no. Yeah, I sorry. I just saw. So for like a few seconds, I just saw your very frozen blank face, and I didn't know how you felt about that. <laughs> I felt very insecure about what I was saying. Yes. I wonder in five, ten years' time if you would look back on this move to Korea and say to yourself, "Oh, that was a quarter life crisis," or not? Maybe that'd be interesting. Yeah. We'll still be friends by then. We'll reflect back. I don't let go of friends very easy. Yeah. Why do you say that in such a... <laughs> that's an interesting tone to say that in. I feel like... <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought we were rock solid. I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> we are. We are rock solid. Why are you looking at your watch as you're saying that? <laughs> oh, because it was, it was vibrating. Okay. <laughs> I needed it. To, I was clicking a button so it would stop vibrating. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Um, all right. So, yes, it's confirmed. We're going to be friends in five, ten years' time. Absolutely. I also don't really tend to end relationships that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friendships tend to be long-standing as well, so. There we go. You're stuck with me now. Yeah, we're stuck with each other. Ugh. Oh, well. <laughs> so, oh, yes, this is the last question. Oh, my gosh. Finally, it only took, what, almost three hours. Oh, yeah. No, we're past three hours, actually. We are yeah. we've, we've fulfilled yeah. the three hours. Okay, so what is your favorite drink? This is the final question. My favorite drink is a blue raspberry lemonade. Yay! The bluer, the better. The bluer, the better. Uh-huh. Why is it your favorite drink? Um. So, like, when I was growing up, in my household, we drank a lot of Kool-Aid. This is a very stereotypical, like, black thing. Mm-hmm. So we made a lot of Kool-Aid. And my favorite Kool-Aid flavor was the blue raspberry lemonade. Mm. I would say that it was more of a lighter blue. Like, I feel like it wasn't quite as deep of a blue as the blue drinks that I get at the convenience mm. stores here. It was like neon. Um, like cyan. Yeah. This one was more of like a pale, pale baby blueish kind of color. Okay. But it was my favorite flavor. It's always been obsessed with like blue colored drinks. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I love blue drinks. Blue Powerade. Just blue everything. You used to have blue hair too. I had blue hair at one point in mm-hmm. time. Did I ever show you that picture? Yes. I like that picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it suits you. Boom. I miss her. Would, would you be comfortable with me sharing on IG? I can cover your face yeah. just to like show people your hair. You don't have to cover my face. Okay. That's that- fine. I'm literally scrolling through my photos so that I can see. Oh, here they are. Here's the photos of me with the blue hair. Here, I'll send you a couple and you can pick your favorite one. Ooh, yeah, definitely. Wait, is that why you like the blue drink so much? Because it reminds you of home? I don't know, because I was obsessed with blue drinks in America. Like, I've always been obsessed with mm-hmm. blue drinks. I don't know why. <laughs> it just, it's like my go-to. Because the ones here, I will say, the ones here are blue lemonade. I don't know what that means, but that's what it is. Mm. Back home, it's blue raspberry lemonade. And I mm. I believe the two are different. Right. One's got raspberry Yeah. 
Because, like, I also love raspberry lemonade. Um, honestly, I love lemonade at the end of the day. Um, I just like lemonade. But <laughs> raspberry lemonade's a bit more tart. Like, So it's still lemonade. It's still got lemon in it. Yeah, it's still got, like, lemon in it. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad at describing flavors of things. I'm, descri- I'm bad at describing things in general. <laughs> oh, hiccups. <laughs> That was awful. I have the hiccups. You didn't have any issues describing uh, the one-way mirror. (laughs) (laughs) That whole setup. That's a visual thing. Like, maybe it's more a subjective experience that's harder to describe. I think it is. Because they are harder to describe. Because, like, the two taste different. Mm. Blue raspberry lemonade from home and the blue lemonade that I drink here, they do not taste the same. But I like them both very much. (laughs) Okay. I have a question, though. Okay. If the blue lemonade drink here was not lemonade flavored, it was, like, a chocolate shake or a grape juice, would you still drink it? Wait. But it's like Wait, the same what? color because you said you were kind of obsessed with the color blue. I don't think I would drink like a blue shake. That's no, I wouldn't do okay. it. Um, no, but like if it's it's just flavored like chocolate shake, but it's a drink. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really <laughs> I'm so weird about like <laughs> to me certain things should be certain colors. So, like... Lemonade should be blue. Well, not... I mean, no. But <laughs> if you give me a milkshake... Uh-huh. And it's blue, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to drink it. Because to me, a milkshake shouldn't be blue. Like, <gasps> milkshakes can be brown because of chocolate. It might be, like, red for strawberry. If you have, like, an orange dreamsicle, it might have, like, a hint of orange in there. Cookies and cream is, like, a brown and white. Like, mint is green. I can't think of a realistic milkshake flavor that is blue. Bl- maybe a blueberry. But blueberry's purple. So, no. I can't think of a reason why a milkshake would ever be blue. And I probably wouldn't drink but it. But I can't think of a reason why a lemonade should be blue. And yet, here we are. Because it's blue lemonade. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're going to go in circles. Okay, this is how we end we up are. talking for, like, five hours. Um, it is. Yeah, literally, this is what we talk about. Yes. <laughs> Most of our conversations are this way. <laughs> Most of our conversations just, like, are circle. this way. Yeah, why are we like this? I don't know. But also, why shouldn't we be like this? You have so much content to edit now. I have a lot of content. It's okay. More content is better than no content. It's fine. True. It's fine. I just need to get this done by Thursday because on Friday we're having a joint birthday party. Uh, friends podcast show's uh-huh. anniversary. My friend's dog's adaptation day. My friend's birthday and my birthday. So it's just going to be like four. Oh my God. You know, festivities rolled into one. Wait, when is your birthday? Uh, guess. <laughs> well, I'm assuming it's sometime this week because you're celebrating it this week. Um, I guess so. It's the 1st of March. Oh, okay, okay, okay. March 1st. Good to know. Yeah, but it was changed to 28th of February because my mom wanted to start school early. Uh, that's a real thing that happens. So my formally, my birthday is 28th of February. My actual birthday is 1st of March. That's wild. So, I don't know. People celebrate both. I always forget my birthday, so honestly, it's not a big deal. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Of course. I feel like we really talked about some unexpected things today. (laughs) (laughs) The 
this is not what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, no, me neither. Not at all. But, you know, life is full of surprises. It is. And I feel like we just, we get to learn about ourselves. We really get to learn about we ourselves do. and about each other through these talks. We do. Um, so I'm really glad that we did this. And uh, we'll see how much of it makes it into the actual episode. I know. <laughs> Thank you for. I'm gonna uh, go back and listen, and it's just gonna be gone. All of it's gonna be gone. Yeah, it's just gonna be us talking about Last Airbender was made by white people, and that's it. And that's it. We're just gonna cut out everything in the middle. Boom. Boom. Thank you for being present. I know that you are about to fall asleep. (laughs) I can still see your face. I can still see your face. I know. I start leaning. I start leaning. Your posture has changed. (laughs) So, yes. Appreciate you. This was really fun, as always. And we'll hear from Uh, you soon. I don't doubt that. Yes. And so you have a good night. You can never get rid of me for long. No, that's that's very true. That's very true. And ditto. (laughs) So have a good night. You too. And if you have any questions or comments, your own stories about being the person existing as a human in the world that you live in, let us know. DM us on Instagram. Our handle is the underscore coffee shop underscore AU. Or you can email us. Our address is hi, H-I at the coffee shop AU.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.